Hey everybody, welcome back to Schoolhouse Cracked. I'm Brett Derrickson and I'm an assistant principal. I think you know me by now. Dr. MC here, and today we are going to talk about how AI is, quote, destroying public education. So chat GPT, those chat bots, how they're destroying student learning in the classroom. Uh, so Brett, I know uh, this is something I've been tracking for quite a while just because I'm a bit of a nerd, but what, what are you familiar with kind of about what's going on in some of the dialogue in the media right now? No, I think uh, what I'm most familiar with is just uh, as a concept, I know my I think more than uh, what I'm dealing with at the, at the middle school is that my children's high school teachers are warning and, and uh, telling my, my children, hey, uh, you know, don't use these, these services. And it's really just a kind of like a fear of the future mm -hmm. is how I'd say it's rolled out in my life. Well, and so thinking about your, your kids and a middle schooler, if you tell them not to do something or not to use it, Oh, then they're really excited about <laughs> figuring out how it might work for them and working there. As favorite. you're still talking to them about it, they're on their phones, like yeah. looking at it and using it. Yeah, um, I, I had to warn my son the other day when he was threatening that AI would write his essay for him. I said, hey, make sure you get a low-level uh, AI or they're going to figure out it wasn't <laughs> <really> immediately. <laughs> An AI that speaks in monosyllabic words. <laughs> yeah. and make sure they do plenty of run-ons. Yeah, yeah. run Lots of run-ons. Um, it, so it's, it's funny you say that because uh, – uh, I've been using it in my um, classrooms, in my in my graduate classes, um, more as a teaching tool. But uh, a student kind of took the initiative um, and took an essay prompt from one of my colleagues, um, and my colleague was aware of this yeah. and wrote his essay, mm -hmm. legitimately, um, uh, like six page APA format on on some theory mm -hmm. and some application, and then put the same prompt into Chat GPT, and then gave it to my colleague, uh, professor colleague, and. Um, she admittedly sent it out to the rest of us in the department and said, I can't tell the difference. Wow. Um, wow. And so, uh, so I thought that was pretty fascinating. But I've been using it as a bit of a teaching tool um, to help us understand maybe how we can use it to work smarter or more efficiently. Um, but, I mean, this is, this is us as adults kind of processing through it. But thinking back to your own son um, or, or your kids or what you're seeing in the middle school, like how could you see this maybe getting out of hand? Well, I guess, the, you know, when, while you were just mentioning the – that little experiment that the student and the professor did, uh, I guess my first thought was, what questions are we we asking them? Absolutely. Uh, are, can, you know, can, you, can we ask uh, uh, students to address things that require enough original thought mm -hmm. and enough original voice and tone that what we're what the task is is better than what AI could could create? Yeah. I mean, I could really see if I you know if I put a prompt on there that. You know, said something like, hey, uh, analyze the causes and effects of the Civil War. I could really see AI being able to absolutely either, you know, compete with the student. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I do wonder if there's enough important questions for us to ask that, that we're one step ahead of, of the algorithm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and this is something I know you and I kind of bonded over early on in our administrative career um, but when I was as a principal and as an administrator I, w I really always spent a lot of time focusing in observations kind of levels of questioning we were asking kids um, and, and I know you're familiar with levels of questioning um, but uh, you know at some point you have to ask those base level questions those level one questions just to get an, un uh, an understanding of does the student generally know what we're talking about yeah. and then moving into synthesis application and reflection um, but I got super paranoid uh, about some of my own writing prompts, even knowing that I think this way. So I dumped from, from multiple of my graduate level classes and an undergraduate class, put some of my uh, writing prompts into 
into into AI into Chat GPT as well. Um, and I I was I surprised myself, which is good. But I was so, I'm so neurotic at times I was worried. Um, yeah. But the thing that distinguished its ability to write effectively and and mimic a student and what told me it wasn't a student is I I had a, in each essay prompt some type of app personal application. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. And and I work in a field in, in counselor education and leadership. Um, where uh, uh, personal application is is key to taking theory to practice, and I think that tiny little that one little extra sentence in the prompt is what what set it apart. And I wish I could say it was intentional at the time. But you talked about levels of questioning. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I. But as you talk through that, I, you know, I'm a a, a humanities teacher, so a personal application. Among other things. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, that personal application or uh, finding a way to agree or, uh, uh, or disagree, to mm -hmm. acknowledge other points, but to make an emphatic stance or a modern-day connection, yeah. like, I think those things are um, both valuable, and I love that um, the technology has pushed us to wondering about asking meaningful questions way mm -hmm. before this, because yeah. you could technically uh, pass a, a ninth grade geography or world history class uh, with a cell phone. So, like, literally, Google has been asking us for 15 years mm. uh, to ask more meaningful questions of our students. I remember a really good colleague of mine, uh, when we were getting into the debates about having cell phones or not having cell phones right. in the classroom, he was which, like, yeah. Which even goes back farther to calculators in the classroom. Yeah. Like, that's he, been all over the news and media. Well, and that, yeah. that's what his point was. He's like, well, let, let them have their cell phones out. Let them look, use their cell phones on their tests. If I'm not asking, uh, he used to say, of course, you know, what's the capital of Djibouti? Djibouti, ha, ha, ha. But the whole point is, is... If 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 Google can answer it in a in a single uh, uh, second, yeah. then maybe it's not worth being asked. I do worry a little bit, though. I read an article probably about six or seven years ago, back when I was teaching in Southeast Asia, about organic memory uh, versus artificial uh, memory, and it was it was really centered on medical students mm. and. Uh, the use of medical software in both the diagnosis and treatment. Right. And so in Mount, maybe that's your experience with uh, being in a hospital, people coming in, um, you know, logging in, nurse or, or physician, and asking you questions, looking at the vitals, and throwing everything into like a diagnosable thing. And what, what the uh, article out of, out of Vanderbilt found was that, that doctors that had an actual organic memory that they had had gone through the work mm -hmm. of memorizing all that level one stuff, mm -hmm. were then actually more free to think meaningfully about nuanced mm -hmm. uh, diagnosis right. and treatment. So I, though I do think that an educational solution would be the teaching people to ask more complex questions and require more personalized and complex nuanced responses, there is a role for just knowing your stuff. Mm -hmm. And if AI is going to get in the way of that, uh, I do think we have something worth talking about. Well, and, and kind of what you're hitting on um, is kind of the concept of type one and type two thinking. Like yes. the the s mental schema we develop in remembering something um, just innately, organically, mm -hmm. because we practiced it over time. That Sometimes that rote memory mo rote skill. And the example I always give is um, you know how to drive a car and you've been doing it long enough that you don't have to be totally cognizant of your actions. How many times have you driven home pulled into the driveway, and you don't remember the drive at all. That's right. And mm -hmm. so that's a skill, and, and you've memorized things over time that you can just rely on. And so I, I agree. I do see the value in that, and that comes through uh, practice and memorization of skills and techniques. 
and it would allow a doctor to kind of access that that higher order thinking. Yeah. Um, and if we don't do that, and it's just kind of it, we've also seen in research that uh, our ability to Google something and find out information immediately actually inhibits our ability yeah. to retain that information long term. Yeah. And so th I do see potentially a gap between uh, ability to recall factual information and then critically analyze that if you have to go find it first. And so I, I could really argue both sides of that. But one of the interesting things I was reading this week was um, how English teachers have been using chat GPT uh, to spit out. They'll put their prompt into into AI, spit it out, and then have the students critically analyze yeah. grade, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. mark for, uh, for grammar and syntax and, and yeah. uh, uh, fluidity of thought. and so, I mean, th things that I are beyond my scope because I'm not an English teacher. But I thought that was really fascinating, too, is um, using it as a tool to uh, enhance critical analysis of others' writing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that, and and I, I think I, I really firmly believe at the end, and I've mentioned this before on this podcast. I know I've mentioned it with with you and I in our conversations, but people only change if there is a problem or they're inspired. Mm -hmm. And the one thing about what we're talking about today is is that it's asking us as educators to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. If you think it's a problem that your students could possibly do better by not learning at all. And literally <laughs> just, I just, give up. I give just, up. And just using a, a, a system or a structure that is de designed. Right. I mean, ultimately, it is de designed by man. Then, then we are are gonna get that really great challenge that I like every decade or so, mm. where it's at where we're being asked to be innovative and thoughtful mm. about what students should know and be able to do, and what it looks like, and how we should evaluate it. So I think we're at a great junction with this right now, mm. especially coming out of COVID. Uh, especially having you know like posted everything online, the right, ability right. for kids to share information that we're being asked to rethink and repurpose uh, everything that's being done within our classrooms. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's kind of one of those great, uh, great moments. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to use the term "great leap forward." I know that has implications for yeah. China and mm -hmm. some very negative things, but instructionally, a great leap forward instructionally. Um, and I, I was reading, uh, I, I was reading several articles this week. Um, on how career coaches um, and resume writers are using AI to write cover letters for their clients and then going – so starting off with 80% of the job done and then going in and, and personalizing yeah, it more. Yeah, so, yeah. so rather than starting from zero – and I don't know about you. I've written so many damn cover letters in, yes, in my life yes. that some I've chosen not to apply to jobs before. Because it requires a cover letter, yeah, and I just I can't be bothered with with starting from scratch. Or even and, think about the number of letters of recommendation yeah. we have written in the mm -hmm. last ten years as supervisors for um, our, you know our staff that are moving mm -hmm. on to different things. And and one of the biggest fears for me is is literally I'll, I'll use a form uh, that I've written, mm -hmm. and then I have to make sure that I change the pronouns, yeah, or yeah. the actual name. And, and that way, you've become your own Chat GPT <laughs> AI, and I, I I'm guilty of it as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess, but the, well, the one point is, is is that I, just like you were mentioning right yeah. there with that technique, I don't feel bad about that. Yeah. Um, if I use a few lines in there to say this person is an exemplary professional. Uh, yeah, if it's still accurate and true, why yeah, not? Why yeah, not? Right. Yeah. And so then, I, then the challenge is up to me to what level am I going to, to share with them that they are distinct from their colleagues? Mm -hmm. And and that's, uh, I guess, in this, in this situation, I'm really curious uh, to see if, if – if I just punch in a title and let the uh, internet or algorithms or whatever else write the paper, 
Let the interwebs write the yeah, I think, but I think there's a real awesome indictment there yeah. over what either we're asking people to do yeah. uh, or even the purpose of, of them doing it. So, yeah, sometimes there's zero purpose to continuing a tradition that's dead. Yeah. But I'm glad you said that because um, – so I was thinking about those those resume writers and those career coaches starting with with – not starting from zero, but starting with a skeleton and building upon it. I was like, that's just smart. That's smart work. Now, if you're just spitting out a product and sending the same thing out, that's problematic. But it got me thinking about how I could work smarter using something like that in my own instruction. Yeah. And so uh, um, I asked AI, I asked ChatGPT to write me a reading quiz on two key topics and theories that I was covering that week in class. I wasn't going to use it. I'd already written my exam, but I just wanted to see, compare apples to apples. Is it any good? Could it write a better? Multi- you find? Could it What'd write a better find? multiple choice test? <laughs> I'm than dying me? to know. So in this case, um, uh, I would say it was it was a decent multiple choice. I asked it to write uh, a couple questions, like five, for example. Um, and it was it was pretty darn good. I would have probably used three out of five of them. Um, uh, that being said, there there were some uh, I don't want to say full on errors, but some like stretches of what our understanding of some of those theories yeah. would be. And so it would still require a human eye to clean that up. And yeah. as AI is getting smarter, I'm sure that's going to fix it. But then – so anyway, it did a pretty good job on my multiple-choice questions I asked it to think about. Um, I did then ask it to create more of an open-ended essay-style response yeah. and a short answer response, um, including some personal application. <clears throat> and it spit out uh, relevant language using, using all the right words, using all the right lingo, jargons, acronyms. Um, but uh, – th- and then I asked it to answer its own question. And it was like this circular, self-referencing uh, non-answer that yes. used the right words. And so it, it, that gave me faith that we can use it as a tool to some extent, but the, the human component of synth- synthesis application and reflection, it cannot yet duplicate. Yeah. And so that, that was reinforcing like how, sounds, how I need to ask my own questions. It sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're saying is, is that AI has helped develop mediocre person that you don't like working <laughs> with <laughs> and it's yeah. doing it perfectly fine and so it, it got me thinking of like <laughs> and, and let's be honest we as young educators we we had that experience we yeah. were in the classroom and you're you're all like 24 and maybe you went out had a couple beers or more the night before and you yeah. realize your reading quiz wasn't written uh the hungover uh teacher yeah. could could use yeah. it to write yeah. A very mediocre reading quiz. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I always aspired to rise to the level of mediocrity. Uh, I'll tell you, though, it, it is, uh, just as an aside, uh, my father's been using voice-to-text a lo- almost exclusively. Well, you need, I think you need to give the audience some context about your father <laughs> and his age. What your fa- One, your father's background, and two, his age, and then that'll probably inform, I think, where this is going. My father's 78 years old, and if anybody was going to play him in a movie, it'd have to be Chevy Chase or Steve Martin. Uh, the guy is a certified goofball, and he's been trying to use voice-to-text for like three years, and he has uh, failed almost every every text yeah. message. But this past week, he sends me a text. I'm not, I can't even read it on air because I'm, <laughs> I'm still employed by a public school district. But the point is, is that at 1030 at night, and I'm, I'm asleep. You're yeah. asleep at 9. I'm asleep at 10. Yeah. He sends me a text message at 10:30 and it's a voice to text message just trying to catch up and it, it turns into this like slew of strange sexual <laughs> swear words what and yeah, was it intentional or it was is not in, what it picked it up it was no, not intentional right. at all and i got up in the morning and it was it was the best i said i mean i was like dad this is the worst uh, absolute like 
you know, voice to text I've ever oh seen. Oh, my God. I've got to share this with the family. Can I please do this? And we've been laughing about it all week. But I do look forward to the time where um, somebody does an, an AI-based essay. And there's just <laughs> <laughs> something awful embedded <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. Um, you know, it really is just all, all to say. Yeah. Uh, I think people are talking about this because uh, it's real. The, the very fact that we can design uh, uh, computer programs to even have the capability of doing that, I think is fascinating. Mm -hmm. I did... Um, and let's be honest, neither one of us understand anything that's happening behind the scenes. Though. No, yeah. no, but it's, you know, I, I, <laughs> I remember a 60 Minutes episode that I watched probably just a couple of years ago. So for our younger viewers, that's a news program for <laughs> people of Brett's age. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is actually true because like, <laughs> all of the investigative reporters are people that I, that I grew up watching and they're still there. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not ashamed, though. Uh, what they were investigating was um, AI in regard to um, medical diagnosis, specifically oncologists. I and saw this. I yeah, saw this. Yeah. And it was really interesting. And at first, it, it kind of prevented, presented itself a little bit like we're presenting right now. Like, you know, how dare uh, AI interrupt uh, the human they're learning. A and human service is, field. Right. Human service field, yeah. But at the end of the day, what was what they were finding out is that the AI for diagnosis was significantly more accurate than a single doctor, but what it had done is combined the diagnoses of hundreds mm -hmm. of expert oncologists and yeah. hundreds of expert oncologists using uh, these algorithms and artificial intelligence. Yeah, it works, it works in aggregate yes. to flag potentials, yes. and then it would still go to a doc to review, but it has that kind of collective memory that you and I don't have, right. or so an individual doesn't have. I'm just kind of bringing together yeah. your experiences yeah. and mine, and I'm saying, well, if, this is, if, if it's here and we're going in that direction, mm -hmm. what is the collaboration between the educator and artificial intelligence that's going to allow us to enrich the, the learning experience and the knowledge gain of our students. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think kind of uh, the point of Schoolhouse Cracked, obviously, mm -hmm. is we're looking at things that uh, aren't broken but are kind of cracked in mm -hmm. the system. And at this point, um, I, I think this isn't a crack. I mm -hmm. think this is something that we fear is going to become a crack, which is like any technology. Um, you know, we were resistant to the combustion engine, thinking yep. it could never outperform the horse. Yeah. Um, we, were, we were fearful of... Um, of 5G networks. Yeah. Uh, we're, we were fearful of uh, the calculator in the classroom because now the calculator could do the math for a student. And so it, cha it changed the way we teach math, and, we, yep. and we've seen that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this is an opportunity to just try something, um, keep an open mind, and see how we might utilize it, knowing that it's, har it's, it's hard to, pr to stop progress, especially when it's accessible. Yeah. and available to kids. Yeah. And so just like phones in the classroom from one of our earlier episodes, maybe we lean into it, feel it out, see what works, see what doesn't, and, uh, and, have, some, and have some fun with it. I'm with you on this. Yeah. If, if, if artificial intelligence is a threat to your job, then ask yourself what you're going to do to make yourself um, you know, more important uh, than artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day— And at some point, that answer may be nothing, and we're, we'll all be living in a utopian society where we are on permanent vacation huh. because AI does everything for us. Well, we're not there yet, though. Yeah, <laughs> and Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut's dead, and I need him to write <laughs> a book about that. But, th but the point, though, for me would, would simply be to, to say, uh, hey, teachers— 
there's nothing more important than you. One-on-one -on -one contact, building relationships. AI is not going to be able to to do that. You can't replace uh, those human relationships. Absolutely, and that, and that rapport and investment in kids, or in that one-on-one, -on -one, that one-on-one -on -one learning experience. So it's, it's you know like this might be a way for us to skip a few steps mm -hmm. and get us deeper into what and earlier into what we want kids to know and be able to do. I'm not afraid of it. Uh, what I'm afraid of uh, is uh, like a knee-jerk reaction or legislation. Well, we ban it. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, something. You and know, we've something, seen that. We've seen know. districts and entire departments of education ban this. Yeah. And, uh, and I just think back to I was coming of age um, as a student when the Internet kind of came into schools and was more widely used. And what it did is just change the type of instruction because now it wasn't necessary that I – knew exactly on the map where Djibouti was. Yeah. But once I once I could search where Djibouti was, then I could understand kind of the geopolitics of the country surrounding yeah, yeah. Djibouti. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so it, it just changed instruction. So I think there's an opportunity here. But uh, let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing in the classroom? Are you doing anything in the classroom? What's your, what's your school board? What's your administration? What's your Department of Ed saying? Have you used this in a way as a teaching tool, or maybe have you kept it out of the classroom? Send us your thoughts, comments, and feedback at schoolhousecracked at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel right below and download us on all your favorite podcasts. Yeah, and channels. this is one of those ones where we, want, we would really love some anecdotal stories. What has just gone super well or incredibly wrong uh, for you as parents or for you as kids or for you as teachers in, re in, in regard to the early use of, of AI being able to do student work? And so closing out the episode, I will confirm that none of this episode was written by AI or ChatGPT. Um, so thank you for tuning in to Schoolhouse Cracked. We'll see you in our next episode.